when we started two weeks ago. We all have to make, we have to understand that each and every one of us, regardless of race, height, weight, whatever, every single human on this earth has a universal problem. What's the problem? Well, we all have this ugly word, and it's the truth. We all sin. It's in our human nature. It's going to happen one day in the future. Don't act like you're perfect, because if you're that individual, you are already sinning because you're lying, thinking that you're perfect, because no one is. We all make mistakes. We all need a savior. That's the reason why we, every single day, need to renew our minds. Every single day, we need to continue to hear the word of God. The Bible tells us clearly, renew your minds daily. Hallelujah. And that's why we feed ourselves so that we are equipped. Amen. But we all have fallen short. And that's something we need to comprehend. Well, why do I need to understand that? Well, because the sooner you can admit that we are sinners, the sooner God can begin to work in the condition of your heart. Amen. We don't sit around. We're not a we're not a people, guys, and we don't preach this oh all the time, like with our heads down. Oh, we're sinning. Life's over. No, we just need to understand it. But remember, that's why we're here to get equipped. Say amen. And that's why you read the word, you study the word, you get intimate with the word of God, because you're arming yourself. Hallelujah. The verse, the main verse that I that I've been using these last two weeks, and I will use again today. This is why King Solomon said it. Well, he basically, he wrote it. Amen. Hallelujah. In the book of Proverbs, he said, Proverbs 4, 23. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else. That means it is extremely important. It's not your experience, your knowledge, or your skills. Your heart is the most important tool you have. Real quick, the three reasons why you must guard your heart. I'm going fast because I, then I want to obviously dig deep in what I have for you in part three. Amen? First one, the reason, one, one of the, the three most important reasons why you must guard your heart. Number one, it's extremely valuable. It is the essence of who you are. It is your authentic self, the core of your being. That's why Solomon says, above all else, there's an extremely, it's very important to guard your heart. Number two, because your heart is the source of everything you do. King Solomon says it, it determines the course of your life, where you're headed. Depends on where your heart is. If your heart is unhealthy, it'll have an impact on everything else. Believe it or not, you can even see it out there. People that have damaged in their hearts, they've had pain in their hearts, they've gotten backstabbed by many individuals, uh, marriages that things has, has happened. There's issues that occur in business. There's issues that occur in relationships, friends, uh, family. There's countless numbers of things that happen that can affect your heart and why we deal and have pains. And a lot of us have scars. A lot of us have bruises. Uh, and, you know, the, when that happens, it affects other areas of your life. You don't perform the same way when you have a hole in your heart. 
If your heart's unhealthy, it's like a poison and it can not only damage you, but it could damage your loved ones. It's extremely important to guard your heart. And number three, the reason why all this happens, it's extremely, why do we need to guard our heart? Well, because it's under constant attack. We have an enemy that knows exactly what it is that can damage us. He'll try to get in there. He wants to get in your core. He wants to make sure that whatever it is that's flowing, he doesn't want it to flow like the way God intends it for it to flow. He wants it. He wants to stop it from flowing. He wants you to poison other people. He doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you continually to be, to be depressed. He wants you to continually think of the problems. He wants you to constantly think of all the damage that has been done. Whether it's that someone else did it or you did it to yourself. Sometimes that happens as well. Sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot. We don't always have to blame it on someone else. I don't know the case, but this is life. Then, that's what I spoke on briefly that first week. The second week, part two, we talked about how God, we and God have many similarities. We do. God created all of us. Again, we don't all go to heaven, but he did create every single one of you. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. In the book of Genesis, he created man. That's us. We are we are, we are created in his perfect will. If you look at the human body, it's incredible the way it works. It's incredible how, how we go from, you know, from being, you know, you can look at all the atoms and the nerves and the neurons, and it's just the human body is, is, is something out of this world. God knows exactly what he's doing. And just like we were created by God, that we're not God, so we can't say we are God, but we do have similarities. One of those similarities is a heart. And just as we have a heart and a nucleus and a core, God also has a heart. It is the central part of our Heavenly Father. To know the heart of someone is to know the innermost characters, feelings, or inclinations. The heart of God is who He is, what He desires, His will, and His purpose. Hallelujah. And then we started talking about. The difference between, well, basically, before I get up there, let me, let me explain this. And the end of my preaching last week, I'm going to read this verse so now we can actually know who God is. And God, right here, excuse me, what the heart of the Father is. In John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the word was God. So the heart of God is his word. The word of God is God. Someone say amen. amen. The word of God is God. For some of us, that's like, wow. But yeah, it says it right there. To know more the heart of the father, we got to read his word. Because when you speak the word of God, you're speaking God. Every time you read a verse, that's God. 
Now, how do you read the verse? And that is what we also spoke about last week. What is Logos versus Rema? Logos is the scripture. How are you reading the word of God? Are you reading the word of God like a history book? Like a story? Which is fine. You can do that. But what's the problem with that? Ah, I used the example last week of how I like burgers. I read it in this restaurant. I read about it in this restaurant. I read about it. I studied it. I couldn't wait to try it. But it wasn't until I took a bite of that burger. And it works the same with the Word of God. You can read the Word of God a hundred times. That's logos. But it's not until you catch it. It's not until it becomes rema. It becomes a spoken word in your life. You see, that is the difference. How are you reading the Word of God? Because this is the Word of God. Does, is it something that you're looking just to find some archaeological facts and proof and all that? Which is true. The Bible is the oldest history book known to man. There's things in there that you see. I've been to Israel many times, we, and we've gone to the places where the disciples have been. We've seen the things, the places where Jesus has walked. Beautiful. But it's not until it becomes life in you. Not until it becomes a spoken word, the rema word. That is God. Because then you could take it to another dimension. Then you are seeing things the way God sees. I know so many theologians that come at me, they probably know the Bible by memory. But how many of them have really been impacted by it? How many of them has it become life in them, spoken to them, inside to come out? Whoa. That's, there's, that's what it's about. Rema means that the Logos word comes to life in you. Hallelujah. And you see, that is the heart of the Father, the Word of God. Hallelujah. Now, we know all this. Quick recap. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Today, now that we know all this, we need to read the Word. We need to get equipped. But now, how do we fight back? What happens when we feel like throwing the towel? When we feel like losing heart, when we haven't guarded our heart anymore, maybe you just stop guarding it. Maybe you don't care anymore. Maybe the pain is just too much. Or the devil's lying to you and telling you that, which is the actual truth. But I'm not going there yet. Maybe you've already, you're ready to give up. How can you fight back when your heart's already torn to shreds? How can you fight back when you have such pain and crazy wounds in your heart, such pain. A few years ago, a friend of mine, um, he was going through a big storm. And, yeah, it was pretty sad what happened to him. Basically, um, one of his best friends was also his business partner. And um, the best friend was scheming against him to try to, you know... Um, I guess the word is estafarlo, right? Trying to be, a, uh, I guess the word is a shyster, like a schemer, an individual that, that was using him as his relationship and just to take over his business and steal from him. 
He was, he was caminando jorobado, like the Cubans say. He was walking weird. He was planning to deceive his best friend, and his best friend didn't know it. And that was, that's one of my friends that I knew. I didn't, I'd never done business with this individual, but he had explained to me later what happened. So he ended up, um, yeah, he ended, his friend ended up deceiving him. He lost his position in his job. The friend stole a lot of his money. And not only that, during that time, um, obviously that, you know, he was hurt because of the betrayal. Um, worse, one of his kids was diagnosed with some chronic illness. It was, it was, a, it was a time, and he was a, he's a believer. It was a time where, you know, you think of this guy like, wow, you went through all that, and like a couple weeks later, this happens. He was ready to throw the towel and, you know, obviously we, we spoke and years have gone by and praise the Lord that, you know, this is the reason why it's so important to guard your heart. Because sometimes things happen in life. And unfortunately for him, you know, his kid, thank God his kid is better, praise the Lord. And he, did, he, he was about to throw the towel though. Can you blame him for going through something like that? Hard. People right there, what happens is you end up questioning God. In times of adversity... A healthy heart is essential to survival. What needs to be done? Tell me, Albert, what's the answer? And this is the answer. What needs to be done in order for you to nurture? First, we need to continue to nurture our hearts. Or, and, or recover. So we need to, we need to we, you know, if we have a wound, we need to, we need to, we need to get healed. And what's the answer? Well, we know it's definitely the word of God, but I can say it's the word of God, but the answer to, in order for the word of God to become Rema, life in you, okay, with whatever it is you're going through, in order to nurture, recover your heart, the answer here is discipline. 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 How many times have you seen individuals that have these incredible ideas? They want to do this. They want to do that. Their minds are full of ideas, great extraordinary ideas, but they're terrible at implementing it. They start something, but they never finish. You see, because there is a lack of discipline. Because, you see, without discipline, then you can't have consistency. And if you're not consistent, you're never going to achieve what you want to achieve. And this works, same in business, same with your personal life, same with your education. This works. It's the truth. Ask any entrepreneur that's successful, they're going to tell you, you need discipline and consistency. But if you don't have discipline, you'll never be consistent. You will never get what you are trying to obtain. So how do you nurture and heal your heart? Discipline. And not only in the area of your heart. This is with, I'm going to get in there. I'm about to preach again. I don't want to get out of topic. Hallelujah. If you're with me, say amen. One thing is to trust in God in something. Because you can trust for a little, like those ideas. But another thing is to have the discipline to be consistent in trusting God. I'm going to say it again. One thing is to trust God. 
But another thing is to have the discipline to be consistent in trusting God. No matter what comes your way. Because the more disciplined you are, I got four discipline. I got four extremely valuable points that I'm going to get to right now. You must be disciplined. Four disciplined disciplines we must implement for our hearts. Are you guys ready? The first one, and this is really very, very important, guys. The first one. The discipline of reflection. You may want to write this down. Or you can always watch it again on YouTube and write it down. That, that's actually cool. And you can get to hear this twice. Maybe three times. Maybe ten times. I don't know. Hallelujah. The point is for you to get it. And then it becomes rema to your spirit. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. So the discipline of reflection, what do you mean? Well, you need to, you need to make time to reflect. We live in a busy, noisy world. We live in a world that the media, social media, our phones are our biggest distractions for sure, by far. Because it's all here. <laughs> it's all on our phones. Whatever it's on the media, whatever you put on TV, it's on your phone before it comes out on the news. Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. You're going to break my brain, man. Leave me alone. Jesus. It's like those pop-ups when you're in a, you know, I don't want any more pop-ups. You're clicking XXXXX. Bro. I don't need that in my life. It's a distraction. Yup, to all of us. Those of you on the internet as well. But this is a good time to be on your phones right now, okay? This is, this is the exception. <laughs> or on your computer or wherever smart TV you're looking at us at. Hallelujah. You need, listen, you need to take time to yourself. And when I say to yourself, um, you, because this beautiful thing, I mean, especially if you're a married couple here, now I'm jumping from, you know, when you're single, you're alone. When you're either married or your boyfriend, girlfriend, sometimes you take time to pray together. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Hallelujah. A couple that prays together stays together. I believe that. Amen. But also, you need to get away from everyone and everything. You need to make a time to do that. Because your intimacy with God cannot be shared. Not like that. You have your intimacy as a partner because obviously the two become one. But there's, it's something different when you just go to the side. You see Jesus himself does it or did it. Excuse me. Jesus himself did it many times. Look what it says in Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You see, this is extremely important. Quiet, alone time is essential. And you see, that takes this is why it's called four disciplines. This is just the first one. I still got three more. You see, disciplining yourself to make time to pray alone. You got to make yourself. Discipline yourself. You see, sometimes we don't like doing that, those kind of things. Discipline. Sometimes there's a word, huh, 
You know, I think of like when I was growing up, my dad disciplined me. I didn't like getting disciplined. That's him back there. Hey, it's not just me, por favor. There's people in here that know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's important to discipline your kids. If you don't discipline your kids, what's going to happen? They go to a restaurant, they're going to jump on the table everywhere. What are you going to do? You're going to have them going to the chef and burning their hands on the stove? No. You need to discipline yourself. Say amen. So in this case, we're only on the first one. It's time to discipline yourself to separate yourself in alone time with your king. And when you're in alone time, this is where this comes to play. Stillness. I like the song that we were singing. I will wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. You see, when you're in this alone time, there's a, there's a time where you are just still. Practicing stillness is crucial. Look what it says here in Psalm 46.10. He says, be still and know that I am God. Hallelujah. Be still. Be still. It's hard to be still. Trust me, I'm, you're, you're, I am una persona. I like to move around. And not just physically in my brain. <laughs> I need to tell myself, be still. I got to discipline myself. Be still. When you're still, it means get it means get quiet, be quiet, and sit tight. It's difficult to relax knowing God's in control when you're going through some situations. It's hard to discipline yourself when you have circumstances around you that, oh man, my heart is hurting. How am I supposed to be still? How is that possible? Be still. This can't be happening to me. Be still. I am God and I am with you. Put your hands together if you believe that. Hallelujah. The second discipline. Church, you with me? Say amen. But you guys are like, this pastor just likes for me to say amen. Yep, say it again. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Second one is the discipline of rest. And when I say rest in this case, I do mean, obviously, we know we need to rest on God. Amen. We need to be still. We need to rest on God knowing that he has it all under control. You see, most of the time... When we feel discouraged, when we feel like throwing the towel, when we're losing heart, we're about to lose heart, when we feel like giving up, it's mostly a sign of weariness. What do you mean weariness? Well, I'm about to tell you the definition right now of weariness. It is extreme tiredness, fatigue, reluctance to see or experience any more of something. What are synonyms for weariness? A lack of interest. A lack of excitement. 
discouragement, fatigue, tired, exhausted. You see, not only were we meant when God created us, like I said, he created all of us, and we definitely have similarities to God. He doesn't only want us to rest on him. He also wants your physical body to get the rest it needs. Believe that. Look what it says here. God has instilled rest to our very own psychology. How, do you realize there's 24 hours in a day and a third of that we, needs, we should be sleeping? We have a shutdown button. And what happens is if you don't shut down that button, you're not thinking straight. You're exhausted. You're fatigued. One of the quickest ways to lose perspective is to cheat yourself out of this God-given switch, which is called rest, sleep. Our physical bodies need it. And it affects, there's a reason why God tells us to be sober-minded and alert and vigilant. Well, obviously, because of the devil, we, there's a roaring lion waiting to see whom he may devour. Because you see, then, when you're not thinking straight, you make dumb choices. You need to rest. It's important. Discipline yourself to rest. Don't allow your work to take over you 24 hours a day. You need sleep. Many times when you sleep, you wake up. When you don't sleep good, you're cranky. Oh, it happens to me. I know I'm not the only one. Make that a factor in your life. Sleep. It's good for you. Hallelujah. Number three. This is another one that's good too. This is all, these are all disciplines that we need that will just come, was going to just completely change your perspective and you're going to be like, wow. And they're very simple. This is, not, this is not rocket science here. We all are in the same page and understand everything I've been saying. The third discipline. Hallelujah, is the discipline of recreation. What does that mean? Let's look at the definition. It's an activity done for enjoyment when one is not working. Maybe you like to work out. Maybe you like to fish. Maybe you like, uh, I don't know, to cook. Um, I enjoy working out. I enjoy doing things. Look at the synonyms for recreation. Pleasure, leisure, relaxation, fun, enjoyment, entertainment. You see, there's a difference between amusement and recreation. Amusement leaves you more exhausted than when you actually started. How many times have you guys ever taken a trip to Orlando or taken a family vacation and you think that you're going to have the, you know, and it's, that, that is different. Sometimes it leaves you more exhausted when you come back from the vacation than when you actually went. Has that ever happened to you before? It's happened to me many times. Sometimes you're like, oh, we're going to have the best time ever and it's fun, but, but hey, you need a day. You need a, recreation is different. This isn't something for your amusement. Recreation involves an activity that gives you the opportunity to, to express creativity. Maybe you like to paint. Maybe you like to write. Maybe you like to play a musical instrument. Like I said, for me, I, like, I enjoy going to the gym. I also liked when I take time to study the word of God. I'm not going to lie. That's another discipline. Because there's certain things that you do. The recreation is something I enjoy, and I'm like, wow, I'm happy I did that after the fact. But it takes discipline. Listen, if you like to sleep, that's a good thing, but you need to have the discipline to wake up. 
<laughs> Am I right? That takes discipline. You got to wake up. You don't wake up. Your bed could be your best friend or your worst enemy. <laughs> Straight up. It's the truth. You need to wake up. You need to discipline yourself. Wow. But disciplining yourself to doing things that you enjoy is also important because then there you have a time, you know, it takes a little bit of a, listen, everything in life that's good for you is going to take some sort of effort. It's the truth. Sometimes I don't feel like, there's times where I'm like, in my mind, because, you know, the flesh is really lazy. The flesh wants you, it wants you to just stay down, and, and, and it doesn't progress. You see, when you discipline yourself to certain things in your life, obviously, most importantly, is the Word of God. You are, you know, when you take time, uh, when you are in that quiet place, you are studying the Word of God. I enjoy doing it. There's times, though, that I, that, for example, I got in yesterday at 7.30 at night, and I had to study, continue to study. I was on a vacation with my family, Amen. But I didn't really have time to study. So I was up to 2.30 last night. But amen, we're here this morning. But amen, yeah, hallelujah. I mean, I did study a little bit throughout the week, but not like the way I, I like to separate myself and dive into the word. But what I'm saying is there's a, before that, I didn't really feel like doing it. But I needed to have the discipline to do it. And once I got in, wow, the spirit of God just shows up. And it's like, wow, because now I'm being nurtured while I'm studying. So now I can be here. Hallelujah. And the spirit of God impacts you. Amen. That's how it is. And the more you know, the more you'll be able to impact people as well. You don't have to necessarily be standing here. But like I said, though, going back to recreation, it's important. When me personally, I enjoy going to the gym. Sometimes I don't feel like going to the gym. I don't like it sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's like I'd rather just stay in bed. <laughs> Or some people don't like going to work. But after you go to work, then you're like, wow, amen, I'm happy I did this. You feel a sense of accomplishment. But work maybe is not, depending on what you do. I mean, I, I believe everyone should do what they love, even though sometimes, you know, things happen in a current life for you. But if you do have a job that you don't like, listen, I, don't, God does, I strongly believe God doesn't want anyone doing anything they don't like to do. I'm being honest with you now. This is the little parentheses on the side. And it's the truth. If you have a job that you're miserable at, I promise you God doesn't want you there. God is a good God. And God wants everything good for us. So don't tell yourself that lie. Don't allow the enemy to tell you, I know I'm speaking to someone. Amen? All right, let's close parentheses and get back to the, to the preaching. Hallelujah. Recreation is very important. Some of you may like to listen to music, do something, I don't know, maybe you're a mechanic. You like to build that old car up, I don't know, the 1950 Chevy that you like, the big block, I don't know. I enjoy cars, I just don't really know how to fix them. Hallelujah. If you guys are with me, say amen. And then the last one, I only got a couple of minutes left. Then the last one, the fourth discipline, and this is very important. It's the discipline of relationships. Sometimes we don't feel like making that call. Sometimes we don't feel like making that effort. But let me tell you something. You and I were made to live in relationships. You see, our Heavenly Father, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they've always been in, 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 in harmony forever. 
that's a relate that's there you know like that's that's the perfect relationship but you see the only way even you you can't even come to God without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ it's all about relationships everything you need the very foundation of everything is relational In a world with social media, news, like I said earlier, and other toxic avenues, we must be connected. We must be intentional about building authentic relationships and real community. We, as a body of Christ, need to make sure that our brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, because when you have that relationship, obviously, not everyone's going to be friends with everyone. But you have to have some sort of relationship. You have to make time for your family. You have to make time. You have to take initiative to make time for those that you love. It's a two-way street. What does that mean? In Spanish, it's... Kind of like, well, look, it's really, it's in the Bible. As iron sharpens iron, iron sharpens iron. That's relationships. And the Cubans say, una mano lava la otra. One hand washes the other. Personal relationships are extremely important. That's how you can be accountable to one another, especially those of you couples. That's, that's very important, but you also have to understand that it's very important to have a strong support from your family and friends. It's super important. Relationships. Hallelujah. You have to understand that we are not meant to live this life alone. And I'm not talking about when it comes to being married or not married. That's obviously, that happened as well. But not everyone gets married. The Apostle Paul didn't get married. Yeah, Jesus didn't get married. Now, I'm not saying that. The Bible does say it's not good for man to be alone. Amen. And it's a beautiful thing, marriage. Hallelujah. The Bible also says be fruitful and multiply. Amen. With the woman that God has for you and the man that God has for you. Hallelujah. But what I am saying is regardless if you're married or not, we all are called to be in some type of relationship with others. How else will you be able to talk to others if you don't have some type of relationship with them about Christ? How can you talk to someone, let them know now this month we have this beautiful special month. Amen. I forget the name of it. What is it called again? No, no, not explicit, man. The month, this month that we have for this, no, man, I know we're in August. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There we go, this one. Thank you, people back there. <laughs> it's like August. He was right, though. He was right. I'm like, what month is this? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, this right here, better together. Give love, give love, serve. We're doing it this whole month. And how else are you going to? How else are you going to give? How else are you going to love? How else are you going to serve if there's no other type of relationship? How are you going to invite someone to church if there's no kind? I mean, you can walk up to someone on the street. Amen. Maybe they come. Maybe they don't. But I promise you what? You'll have a way better chance of someone that you've known for years. That you can go knocking on their door because they're more comfortable with you bringing to church with you. And amen. If it's some random stranger, hallelujah. But... Mostly the case is, you know, that you talk to people that you know, your family, your friends. Because in there, you know that they know who you are. You have some sort of relationship with them. And the more and more, hallelujah, you can bring them and invite them to church. 
And on the other, on the flip side of that also, those individuals aren't Christian. We're trying to get them here, amen. And maybe they are Christians, but it's like the prodigal son, amen. And we just got to pray that they come back to the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. We have a duty. We all have a duty. Because all of our hearts need to be healed. All of our hearts need Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 